0: Adventure, discovery, almost all auspicious moments, that's a fun word, they begin with an unexpected, if not mundane, introduction. And that was mine, at least when I woke up. I mean, it was a Saturday morning, not that long ago, at least at the time of this recording. I'm going to be honest that I didn't mean to watch the service for Senator John McCain. But when it came on, I did not turn away. I also think that I should be honest and say that i hope that i'm always honest <laughs> but i watched the funeral service the memorial service and to be honest the the stages of of someone's passing have well they've they've become something that is always so confusing when you're in the midst of it that it it's always been jumbled in my mind for as long as i can Think back. When I listened to Senator McCain's daughter, and President George W. Bush, and then President Barack Obama, I was moved in so many ways. I was heartbroken. I I wept many times. I laughed. And I was inspired. So how did that lead to watching Thor Ragnarok? Well, that's a longer story. So why do I write reviews for DC Comics News? And why do I write about comic books and superheroes? Well, it starts with my introduction to not only the world but the storytelling that introduced me to the world um, from the earliest days that i can remember i was raised in a very religious home we were devout christian pentecostal and it was very common for there only to be literature that was christian based to be available and one of my earliest memories is reading a living children's Bible that was uh, basically an illustrated comic book of the Bible designed for children easy language simple or small words and it was something that was set up to religious beliefs that would be a part of my foundation Um, for much of my young life and it was the stories of the heroes that were depicted in those pictures and the words that went with them that made the first impression for me and it was why later when I saw non-Christian based stories that were told with pictures and words and featured heroes who were embodying the beliefs and principles that mirrored what I learned As a child in a Christian environment, uh, it was a natural lateral uh, move or desire or interest for me. It seemed to fill in the gaps where religion sometimes asked you to rely on faith or belief. And comics at least provided their version of an answer. And I found that there was a comfort in that, in the attempt to say, we might not know, but this is what we think we know based on what we've learned so far and what we hope to learn. And that so much mirrored my desire to understand things that when I was young, I was told it's complex and really well when you're older. And then as I got older, the answers became so complex that the only thing left to tell me was well, sometimes you just have to have faith. And not moving forward from that point but being asked to simply stop felt wrong. And at least when I was reading these comic book stories that face the same questions they attempted to move past that stopping point and to provide a a human response a human answer a human attempt to do more than to simply stop at a line and say well from here on out it's just gonna have to be based on faith or belief and that was something that I could understand because it's something I I felt that I was still doing and it felt lonely but comic books were also doing it and the characters in them were also doing it and it wasn't such an affront to what I was raised to believe and because it wasn't that direct opposite of of my beliefs that I saw so often in the choices that others around me were making sort of fill the uh, the lack of things, the lack of answers that existed in their lives, I I think I mostly felt safe. I felt like comic books could give me the things that I was looking for, that their heroes could seek the answers that I wanted to and that they were willing to, whereas my upbringing up until a certain point had said, well, this is just where we stop learning, stop worrying, and start believing. And I wasn't ready to. And comics was a bridge for me to seek answers on my own, continue asking questions, and to believe that I didn't have to stop simply because the person I was asking didn't know the answer. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Another reason is for the absurdity. I really think that there are moments in the world that feel so absurd. They feel almost impossible, incredulous. That's the word I think I'm looking for, incredulous. When they occur, we find ourselves looking to our left, to our right, to the people we know, to strangers we don't, to gauge what we believe is our honest reaction and our training that we can potentially be overreacting. But to look for that sense of reassurance that we can receive um, when someone else looks back with a similar expression or with an understanding uh, reaction on their face as well. And that absurdity, that sense of can this really be happening, sometimes is enough that reading a comic book later I can either find the parallel or take comfort that somehow The comic book has followed the rules and societal norms that the world struggles to follow and (laughs) it can oftentimes be a sense of um, solace that comes from reading these stories, a sense of comfort that the characters in these stories understand what's important and what they should be doing and that they struggle with doing it where in the real world I feel more and more there is a comfort by many to believe that they don't understand, that it's something that they never understood or never understood correctly and that's the only reason that the problem exists is because they don't understand and they can't understand. They're not able to, which becomes a defense so that they don't have to change. If they're unable to, if it's something that they can't be aware of, then they can't be expected to change it, and it's something that others then must adapt to, or learn to live with, or avoid. This came to light for me recently. With the uh, past Labor Day weekend, I was unexpectedly sitting on the couch watching the funeral services for uh, recently departed Senator John McCain. And I'm going to be honest, it brought me to tears, it was a heartbreaking ceremony. Um, And I can just simply say that my personal reasons might mirror the reasons of others, but my personal reasons are personal because of how I came to know of John McCain. I actually read about him when I was in the sixth or seventh grade. My father, who served in Vietnam and the conflict there, didn't like to talk about the war because he had his own positions and I feel like he didn't want his experiences to influence my knowledge. He wanted me to see what the third party stories were and to listen to them and come to my own reasonings and then he would, when he felt it was helpful, provide his own personal experience to balance out what I read or what I thought I understood. And one of my first introductions to his viewpoint on the war was when he gave me a book. The book is titled, When Hell Was In Session, and it's written by a former senator named Jeremiah Denton. Jeremiah Denton was also a pilot, like John McCain, and he was in service flying a combat mission when he was also shot down. He ended up spending seven years at the Hanoi Hilton, the North Vietnamese prison camp, where John McCain and many other uh, US soldiers were held prisoner during the conflict. And it was Jeremiah Denton who described McCain, a very strong and honorable man, that he had come from a family that in many ways was a dynasty in the military and political arenas, and yet had made his own mark for being something of a a hellraiser, but that among the men he was resolute, he was a leader, and he was a moral and religious compass. He was one of the soldiers who was a devout Catholic and believed that by marking time, based on the Catholic feast days and other um, holidays, it was a way for the soldiers to break out of the system of dehumanizing tactics that were being used by their captors and also to um, move past one of those elements, which was to remove the sense of time. And by using these Catholic holidays, the soldiers could track the calendar and feel that they still had a sense of where they were and how long they had been there. And Denton and McCain believed that this was a, um, an important pillar that could be used to keep the men sane and focused and to help target and task their energy so that when they felt like they were just lost or kind of drifting in these cells that they could focus on an upcoming event or the preparation needed for it and that that would give them a sense of focus and that was a very heartening description and to me as a young boy, uh, teenager, it was a very uh, emboldening idea that in the midst of captivity he was able to provide that sense of comfort for others. Perhaps because he saw it working for himself, perhaps because he just was hoping. But that by using that structure he could play a role in supporting the guys around him who were struggling just as he was. And I also appreciated that in the story and the book by Jeremiah Denton McCain isn't perfect that he breaks just as often as the next man but that he recovers and comes back. And that's always been The story about heroes that I've often been drawn to the most. The ones who fail and get back up. The ones who find their moments of weakness and succumb to them. And then later, they come back and they try to be stronger in those moments than they were the last time. That's always been the mark of a hero for me. Not about powering. Towering destructive strength, but about the resolute strength, the willful strength, the composed strength that quietly or without aggression resists and chooses to do so openly and yet without antagonizing, especially. If it could cause harm or create discomfort for others in the process. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. I think it's only important to point out that I believe it's valuable for me to be as honest as possible when ever I'm talking about things that are important. I mentioned that I learned about John McCain because my father gave me a book called When Hell Was in Session by Jeremiah Denton. I believe that there's an emotional response that draws me to the story of John McCain because of the connection with my father. Um, John McCain has been fighting brain cancer for years and it's been a parallel for me while my own father is fighting prostate cancer. And it's a challenge because when it comes to someone else's treatment, it's their treatment it's their decision. And the only thing that you can really do if you love and respect someone is to respect their decision and allow them to choose the path that works best for them and support them along the way. And that's been my goal with my father while he continues his uh, treatments for his prostate cancer. And it's been challenging. He's done radiation therapy, and will soon be starting hormone therapy, and it's physically draining, and it's emotionally challenging, it's stressful. And I have to wonder just how many of those experiences he's having are parallel to the ones that John McCain was experiencing. Both fighting cancer, both fighting the odds, and both trying to choose the course of treatment that might lead to success or give them the best chance at it and as I watched this funeral for John McCain I couldn't help but be reminded of the possibility that my father might not beat his bout with cancer and that's that's a difficult understanding to reach and I can't be honest uh, and believe that I'm already there but I'm hopeful. Which is why um, later on that same Saturday uh, I decided to watch a movie with my wife which reminded me of all of the cinematic uh, demonstrations of heroes by watching Thor Ragnarok. And it tied in personally because I know that that film has to do with a father and son and that there is a challenge when Thor and Loki have an opportunity to meet with Odin for the last time and his acknowledgement that what is about to happen his passing and leaving them is a foregone conclusion not something to be argued about, something to be met and something to be considered when choosing your final words to your children. I'll admit that the the film was heartbreaking because of my own personal um, reflections on my father and the emotional experience that I had that morning while watching the John McCain funeral. And as I watched the movie, I watched the main character, Thor, go through a process similar to what I believed and still believe is one of the core examples of great heroes, which is the struggle with loss um, and even failure. Uh, If you haven't seen the movie, basically right after Odin leaves, Thor's sister, who is the firstborn and older and was kept secret from him, arrives, beats up him and Loki, and smashes Thor's hammer, which is the focal point of his strength and uh, physical manifestation or representation of that strength. And it breaks him. And immediately afterwards he's lost in space and captured and imprisoned and forced to fight, and he's a man without a home, without a kingdom, and without a father. And this towering God, as he's used to being recognized, is just another lowly struggler, just another lowly person trying to fight and find their way back home, find their way to the things that matter. And watching this powerful figure, um, who thankfully uh, added some comedic beats to the story, become so uh, downtrodden and disheartened, and then struggle to find his way back. It was helpful because there was a feeling expressed during the John McCain funeral that there has been a loss in America, a loss in our country, a loss uh, in our political arena of values or attitudes or behaviors that were considered either the norm or the expectation. And that loss has really left its mark on the United States um, and its people and struggling through that and finding a way to work back to something that feels familiar something that feels grounded, something that feels like home has been a challenge for so many people in this country and for our country as a whole and even though it was just a superhero comic book movie I was watching Thor struggle with the same challenges that mirror my own and also I believe mirror the challenges that our country is facing right now as I continued watching Thor Ragnarok and the journey of Thor from his sorrow and longing to a place of action and purpose. He is still confronted by challenges that in many ways are insurmountable and choices that are extremely difficult and finally with the decision that in order to save a people he has to stop thinking about their home as being the place where they live and I feel that there's a value that Thor Ragnarok uh, attaches itself to which allows it to be more than just a a cut and dried superhero movie Um, when faced with the destruction of Asgard and needing a place to bring his people. Thor has been fighting this whole time to save Asgard, to keep it alive. Um, but he's been thinking about the place. And he remembers the words of his father, which are that Asgard isn't a place, it's a people. In many ways, that's been true for so many stories that I've heard recently. and for the story of so many of us. When I was doing a podcast series on the World Cup, one of the things that caught my attention the most was that France, in the final game, was the um, the favorite. But it was Croatia who represented a story that was unlike uh, their competitors. Many of the players from the Croatian team had been forced to leave their country due to violence or um, other threats. And that in order to survive and thrive, they had to leave, seek refuge, and then one day return if it was possible. And for some, they could only return when they joined the men's soccer team. For those people, Croatia was a place but it was never a place that they left, it was a place that they carried with them. So often we believe that the country that we love, the country where we live, the country that we know is the place where we are born, the place where we raise our children, or the place where we put down roots. But what I found a really to be a really striking chord during Thor Ragnarok was when he said that Asgard isn't a place, it's a people. And I've heard that twisted in some respects by groups in Russia and Germany who want to make it about the power of the people and the strength of the people and the blood of the people and what that could and should be used for. But for me, it came back to a place of reflection and also uh, an opportunity to realign or calibrate my perception. And that perception was to take the world and the country where I live And to look at the problems it's facing and ask how they would be different if there was no place, if America wasn't just uh, a country or a segment of North America separated by borders. And if it was more of an idea, an idea represented by a people. And that that idea is something that the people can strengthen and that people can take with them no matter which part of the country they live or if for some reason they can no longer live in this country. But it's a belief and it's a touchstone. It's something to come home to even when you can't come home. And I had this sense when I listened to that concept, Asgard is not a place, it's a people, that the United States, while we are United States, is also America. And this country is an idea, um, to use another movie quote, In the movie Gladiator, Emperor Caesar Aurelius is talking to his General Maximus, and he says, there was a dream once that was Rome. It was so fragile you couldn't speak it aloud. Well, the dream of America is something that has been spoken aloud and continues to exist as an idea, as a possibility, as a rallying cry, as a standard for acting, thinking, and behaving. And more importantly, it's an idea that isn't limited by things like place, or borders, It's an idea that thrives in the hopes and dreams of its people and that lives in the purpose of safeguarding them from dangers and fears. I believe that it's the people that make an idea, a belief, real and that despite how bad Things might feel or be that that belief is what keeps many of us going, many of us hoping, many of us believing. And I know that when I'm looking at political strife or the struggles of my father, that I can be reminded that it's this hope that's carried me so far. And that this trust and belief can continue to carry me, if I'm willing to trust and believe. That's why I believe we, all of us, are more than just a place. That we are a people. And that when we define ourselves that way, we raise the scope of our vision, of our possibility, and our future. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. When I was maybe 15 years younger a movie came out featuring Emma Thompson called Wit. And it's a powerful story of a very very high-level literature professor who finds out that she's been diagnosed with a rapidly spreading form of cancer. And one of the interesting elements that drives the story is that she regularly teaches her class on the poem Death Be Not Proud by John Donne. It's a signature work that most of us have heard, read aloud, or quoted in movies, television, and literature. And there is a reason why. A few pieces of work start out with such a powerful line as, Death be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. And that's essentially the theme for the rest of the uh, poem. It's a series where John Donne points out all of the ways that death believes itself to be either great or powerful or the final chapter. And John Donne makes the argument that Not only is that not true, but that it can be proven that death is merely a a stopping point. There's a, uh, a great line that says, One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. reminds me also of the uh, great work that says, Do not go gently into that night, but rage, rage against the dying of the light. Both are perspectives from literary greats um, looking at the specter of death and challenging it. And in many ways, that was one of my favorite parts about the heroes that I always find myself drawn to. I've been talking about John McCain, who was not shy when he announced that he had an aggressive form of brain cancer and that it was killing him. And he didn't know how things were going to work out but he would be fighting as long as he could and he would continue serving his job as long as he could and when that time came to an end he he stopped but the willingness to fight for as long as he could the willingness to not just give up at the first moment of uncertainty fear maybe even the realization that this would be a a, a final event and I saw that mirrored uh, in my father regularly it's something I still see as he works through each stage of his fight with prostate cancer and I feel that it was something that I enjoyed from the movie Thor Ragnarok because the character of Odin had fought so many times and won. And this time he was done fighting, but he was instead listening to the voice of his wife who had already passed on and to the realization that the work he could continue to do had mostly been done and it was time to let the work uh, pass on to his his sons the Thor and Loki great heroes they don't give up they fight as long as they can they fight as hard as they can and then they recognize when it's time to stop fighting in reflection of a greater cause I think the hardest thing to recognize with heroes is that it's easy for us to want them to fight, to expect them to fight, and it's inspirational when they do. But heroes don't just fight, heroes listen. Great heroes reason, deduce. It's interesting because the definition of hero has changed from decade to decade, century to century, and millennia and beyond. I'm reminded of the character of Odysseus from Homer's long-winded poems, (laughs) extremely impressive tales. And Odysseus was a hero who was decisive and acted, but his heroism was actually based on his ability to be cunning and to engage in trickery. But that was his way of addressing a problem and working towards a solution. these values that we continue to associate with heroes, they're a reflection of ourselves and of the qualities that we not only admire, but hold close or dear. And they're a reflection of our best selves. When I was Starting with this idea about talking about John McCain, the movie Thor Ragnarok and my father. I don't think I saw that at the beginning. I don't think this was something that I had actually uh, considered. What I found compelling was the story of uh, three different men facing challenges, two real life, one fictional, and the ways that they chose to deal with it and what that said not only about them, but about us and what we believe is important. Looking at it now, I can say that what, draw, what draws me and what will continue to draw me is the fact that they stand and face the problem and their actions might be different and the decisions each man, man makes will be uh, specific to who they are, but it's the willingness of each hero to stand and face the challenge that's coming, that I think is the, the quality that I most, I think that I most appreciate uh, as I come to the, the close of talking about these, these three different people. It's the willingness to stand. It's the willingness to take responsibility for whatever comes next, whether it's your responsibility or not, whether it's a responsibility you want or not, but it's knowing that this responsibility is coming. It will affect you, your life, potentially livelihood, and the people around you that you care about. And how you stand and face it will dictate what happens next. Making that choice is a willingness to play, a, play an active role and to understand that there will always be consequences for standing and acting, and yet at the same time, it's not just that there is no other choice. But that's the only choice that you believe or they believe is right, that it's important to stand and that standing means something. I'm hopeful that in every situation that I come to face, I will take that responsibility seriously and I will be willing to stand. And that when I do, I'll stand for as long as I can. And when I'm done, I'll know that that's a small comfort I can take with me. That I stood, I faced the challenge, and I stayed standing for as long as possible. I believe those are going to be my final thoughts, at least for now, talking about these uh, three different men who came to play such a role in this conversation today. I'd like to take a few minutes, well, hopefully not minutes, uh, but just a few seconds to say thank you for listening to Storytelling with Seth. Thank you again for listening to Storytelling with Seth. Whether you're listening on Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, iOS, Google Play, or one of the many other platforms available. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if you're one of those generous supporters, thank you. If you didn't know, you can support my podcast while you're listening to this recording. Feel free to take a look for the link that says to support me. Should be a really simple little button. And if you're having any trouble, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. And I'll make sure that I'll do my best to help. But your listening, your continued support is what makes these podcasts possible. And I couldn't do it without you. So thank you again, not only for listening, but for your generous support and for all the different platforms that you listen to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing my next story with you soon.